You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. Big report that was snuck in late last week. 2.3 million illegal immigrants processed by Border Patrol, and overwhelming majority of them released into the country. Did you know that? 2.3 million illegal immigrants processed by Border Patrol. Chris Cabrera from our local Border Patrol Union joining me right now. Majority of those 2.3 million illegal immigrants, Chris, did they come through the valley or was it more like just all of Texas? What, what would you say? You know, I think the majority of them came through the state of Texas. Um, obviously, Texas is a pretty big chunk of the border, but, you know, you still have Arizona, California, New Mexico out there. But the vast majority came between uh, either through the Del Rio area or the uh, Rio Grande Valley area. That's the highest number we've ever seen in a fiscal year, right? 2.3? Oh, yeah, by far it's the highest number we've ever seen, but I, I don't think it's the – if they don't change something soon, it's not going to be the highest number for long. I, I have a feeling that if, if the government doesn't get up off their butts and do something, we're going to see an even higher number. Second highest year, was that also Biden? Was that last year, the last fiscal year, what, 1.9 million? Yeah, I believe it was – that was the second highest. And if you look back, even the – the September numbers for the last four years, I mean, the numbers have jumped considerably from when uh, President Trump was in office to when President Biden took over. I mean, the numbers have, have skyrocketed. And to make sure folks understand, look, these are fiscal year numbers. These are uh, from September to the uh, from the previous year, right, uh, all the way to um, or actually from it, it, October 31st is when everything ends as far as the fiscal year. So that well, that would mean yeah, it, that would yeah. be uh, well. It's October first. It's October first to October first. Okay, so that would mean that the little bit of February that Biden was in office last year—March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October—only eight months, right? Eight months. In eight months, he was able to create the second largest flow of illegal immigrants on record, and he beat it this year. By 400,000. So we went from 1.9 million illegals to 2.3 million illegals. And that was a partial fiscal year that Joe Biden has. Where are they coming from? I know that they're coming from everywhere, but the majority, where are they coming from, brother? Uh, the, right now, the, the big numbers we're seeing are Venezuela and Nicaragua. Um, but we're still seeing huge numbers from El Salvador, from uh, Guatemala, Honduras, um, you name it. But right now, the big trend, or in Cuba, we're seeing a lot from Cuba as well. Chris Cabrera with the local Border Patrol Union. The fiscal year report that came out from the federal government, 2.3 illegal, 2.3 million illegal immigrants in the past fiscal year. Now, Venezuela is under this new rule, this Title 41 or whatever they call it, where they have to go back and stay in Mexico. So what's the percentage of, let's say we get 2,000 who cross the Texas border on a given day? Of those 2,000, what would have been represented from Venezuela in that contingent? You know, it's hard to say the exact numbers. I, I wouldn't know that, but I would say about maybe around 30%. Okay, that's not um, bad. About the, also, the thing you're looking at with the Title 42 is, as of right now, and I, I don't think it's changed yet, is there, we're only sending a, a certain amount back to Mexico on that Title 42. Uh, uh, I think it's a couple th a thousand or 2,000 per day. So not everybody that comes from Venezuela is going directly back. Some of them uh, 
Well, we'll actually get to stay. Yeah, I read a news back on, um, uh, a news write up on this that said eventually all of them, even the ones that go back to Mexico, and I don't know how many are going back. Uh, percentage wise, how many would you say are going back? Like half of them, or a third of them, or, or what? Oh, yeah, maybe maybe a third or oh, okay. a quarter of them are going back. And you know, if you come later on during the day, you know they've already met their threshold, so now you're good to go. So eventually, they'll they'll come in too. The folks that the one third that will oh, kick, yeah. they'll eventually they will will go in because they're working on daily numbers uh, that they allow these folks uh, to come in. Chris Cabrera with the local Border Patrol Union joining me. If you were the Border Patrol chief at the national level, Chris, what would you do different to try to fix things? Yeah, I missed you there. I, you cut out on That's me. okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a squeaky screen door that got you. If you were the National uh, Border Patrol chief, Chris, and I know you're not going to be because you want to retire pretty soon, but if you were the National Border Patrol chief, what would you do differently to fix things? Yeah, the first thing I would do is, uh, and it'd probably fall on deaf ears, but I would tell the secretary of my work because he needs to either do his job or or or, or resign. Um, that's that's the, that's what's holding us back right now. You know, our, our chief and everybody up top can't do anything because we're we're hindered by our, our um, com- the commissioner uh, Magnus, I believe his name is, and Secretary Mayorkas. They're not allowing us to do our job. They're not allowing us to do what's written in black and white, and which is defend our border. Which market is in the lead right now with this dubious title being the number one market for illegal crossings? Which market is it? Yeah, I lost you again, sir. No, that's okay. Which market is number one? The dubious title of being the number one market for illegal crossings. It, we, it used to be us here in, in McAllen and Hidalgo County. So who's number one right now as far as illegal crossings? Yeah, and, and I'm kind of, you know, it's just one time I'm good with not being – first in line um i i it, right now with eagle pass del rio area still they're the ones that are, are really getting the numbers we're close behind at a second and then el paso has picked up considerably so um you know it's a good thing i guess uh they're spreading the wealth out a little bit so we're not getting hit with everything but we're, we're still pretty busy there's nothing there really is hardly anything out there not that it's empty i mean there's small communities and they got their restaurants hotels and businesses down there but very small communities are, there's no infrastructure, I would imagine, or has FEMA or somebody else set up a bunch of tents out there to help the non-government organizations, the charities, process and bathe these folks and put them on buses to the interior. What's going on in West Texas, Eagle Pass, Del Rio? Yeah, there. there I mean, like you said, uh, there there is very little out there. I mean, very little. Um, you can't get a hotel out there. You can't get a rental car out there just because everything is taken right now with mm. all the media and uh, and federal agents that are out there helping out. Um, yeah, there's they don't have the infrastructure on the the border patrol side or the city side, so they're they're really getting hit hard, a lot harder than the if we had those same numbers here. Chris Carrera with the local border patrol union. What's the trend right now, Chris? Now that we're you know going to finish up first well, month right of the now, fiscal you year, know, we, here in the Rio Grande Valley, we're seeing uh, we're we're starting to pick up with our family units again, but it's not like it was. But the main thing is, is they're crossing out there in um, in Del, Del Rio Eagle Pass area. The drugs are still starting to come along. Um, I think Fox reported that they had a uh, some drugs seized yesterday or the day before out there in Star County area, which it's a daily occurrence in the valley. It's just not as big as it should be due to the fact that. We're distracted with all these uh, these people turning themselves in. Yeah, and it's election time in the news. 
that's dominating a lot of the conversation. And then there's other silly stuff at the national level that will distract from the this huge problem, massive problem. That yeah, is, it's a huge problem, yeah. and, and they're turning a blind eye to it. They don't want people to see what's going on with the amount of deaths that are happening along our southern border. And if you look at uh, um, inhumanity, I mean, uh, the inhumane conditions that these people experience in their journey, and we're just turning a blind eye to it. In a, and in a sense, we're encouraging it by releasing them once they get here. So more people are going to take this journey and more people are going to die along the way. But yeah. I, for yeah. some reason, those in D.C. just don't really care about it. They say they care, but they do nothing to show they and, care. And no one in opposition, and I would do this, and, and I do this on the radio, because it's the truth. If we didn't have this open border mindset, these folks would not be flooding, desperately trying to cross illegally, enslaving themselves to the criminal element, the cartels and anybody, everybody associated with them, to them in major markets, and some of them dying, either south of us in Mexico, you'll never hear about those deaths, and then some of those folks who die in ranch land or drown in the river or die in the desert. All those deaths, all those deaths belong to Joe Biden and the mess that he has created on the border. And as far as the deaths... You guys also tabulated record numbers as far as deaths on the Southwest for this year. Yeah, I think it was over over 800, uh, 836, I believe. And that's just what we know about. What about the ones that are up in the ranches in Brooks County that nobody's found yet? The ones that are uh, in the river somewhere or, or the ones on the south side of the border that just yeah. didn't make it or got kidnapped along the way? I mean, what are those numbers that, that nobody's looking for? Um, Huge that's story. Just, it, it's, it's unheard of that that people, especially the United States, is just that desensitized to this, that our government is just pretending it's not there like an ostrich with their head in the ground. And, well, if I don't see it, it didn't happen. Well, it's still happening. So they need to wake up and do something about it or step aside and let somebody else who cares in there to, to get the job done. It's journalism malpractice. First of all, it's criminal behavior on the part of Joe Biden and his administration creating this mess. But also, I, I believe that on the media side, corporate media, it is criminal, the journalistic malpractice on their part for not informing the American public to all these deaths created by this Biden border mess. Thank you, Chris. Chris Cabrera with the local Border Patrol Union. The Sergio Show, Newstalk 710-KURV. This is the Sergio Show. Halloween time, Halloween celebrations. If it involves the office or anybody from the office, hey, be careful. If you don't behave, you do something wrong, you might lose your gig or maybe cost the company a lot of money. HR expert Deanne Sanchez, La Prima, joining me on the Sergio Show. Okay, so from your experience, Deanne, tell me about some of the scenarios you've seen, heard of, that get people in trouble, Halloween celebrations that go inappropriate at the office. Yeah, it's, it's mostly uh, what they wear. Uh, you know, pretending to be a terrorist, uh, body shaming, <laughs> okay. um, a ho Holocaust victim. And I've also had an employee come to work um, dressed as a condom. <laughs> oh. okay. Yes. Yeah, that's real funny at a college party or other places, but... Man, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, I, I, why why do offices even bother having these Halloween get-togethers? Because I think the business also puts itself at risk. 
Li- yes, li- absolutely. Li- you yeah. you may be uh, you may be sued uh, for those things, creating a, a hostile work environment, or um, yeah, it's not it's not worth it, uh, particularly um, where employees feel. Um, discriminated against, for example, a Holocaust victim. Oh Your my Jewish goodness! May oh be, my uh, goodness! May may that's not even funny. A lawsuit, and you know, Kanye West has learned that uh, very much so this last week. Yeah, HR expert Deanne Sanchez, and we're talking about Halloween and Halloween celebrations at the office. Um, should you? I mean, what do you recommend that managers? You, you want to keep things light and encourage people and keep them happy at the office. So what's the plan B for, you know, what do you hear as far as plan B to have a, a fun celebration and encourage everybody at the office in place of all this yes. costume stuff? Yes, absolutely. So you can have a, a, a pumpkin carving. Uh, you can have a decorate the office. Um, you can have, you know, bring your kids to work as a trunk or tree. Well, there you go. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. You can bring your animal dressed as a cost in a costume. <laughs> I've never seen an inappropriate animal costume. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I think those are those are ideas. You know, be creative, but not inappropriate. <laughs> oh my goodness! The way things are these days, it's just the world has gone nuts. Everything is on its ear. You do something for the kids, there's, there's going to be that one parent going to bring a kid, you know, inappropriate. So like the stuff that you mentioned earlier, I can see uh, one parent putting a... Well, a, at that at that point, you're going to have to talk to the parents and say, you need to take your child home. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's time to take your kid home. How expensive can... A bad situation, Halloween, you know, inappropriate. How expensive could it be for the company? Well, you may be sued. Like I said, you know, racial discrimination or uh, religious discrimination. So uh, it can it can get expensive up to about three hundred thousand uh, dollars. So you know that's why I caution employers: you know, get away from the hostu- the Halloween costume and, and try to make it fun and light. Thanks for your time, Deanne, and we'll call you again. Thank you. Deanne Sanchez, HR expert from North Texas. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. You've heard that here in South Texas, according to Walgreens, the National Pharmacy, they say according to their flu index, which is based on Tamiflu, all the prescriptions are running up on on Tamiflu. Uh, We're number one. South Texas, number one when it comes to the flu right now. We've got a huge wave of this. And 
Looks like it's going to be a very busy and interesting flu season. Dr. Loretta Friedman is my guest. Why is it that the flu is coming back with a vengeance, it seems, Dr. Friedman? Um, I think it's because, uh, you know, for the last two years, everybody's been home. Uh, everybody's been wearing masks. We haven't been socializing, um, uh, washing our hands, uh, antibacterial, uh, you know, uh, lotions and things like that. So everybody, you know, out and about in public, it, it, it's just, it's spreading quickly. So, you know, the flu usually does. This is, uh, you know, these numbers are not uh, that unusual, uh, unfortunately. It's just that we haven't seen them in the last couple of years because everybody's been home with COVID. Do we have enough, do you know if we have enough Tamiflu to, to fight back? You know, I'm not sure. I know that uh, when Tamiflu first came out, there was a shortage. Uh, you know, there it, it, it wasn't quite enough. I don't think... Um, there's a problem with getting the prescriptions filled. I think there is a reserve. How does Tamiflu work? Can you explain to, to me and working people, lay people? Uh, you know, like anything, uh, I, I think that uh, what it does is it uh, mitigates uh, some of the symptoms uh, of the flu, but it it's also helps to boost uh, your immune system uh, simultaneously. I'm not that familiar with uh, prescription drugs. I do mostly alternative okay. uh, medicine. You know, ask me about mushrooms or stragglers. Uh, <laughs> I'm much better. I'm much better acquainted. Okay, well that's good. That's fine, Doctor Loretta Friedman. Well, somebody shows up and says, "Doc, I got the flu." Or I think I got the flu. What would you prescribe then on the natural side? Oh, I would tell them to start taking zinc, uh, uh, vitamin C uh, metabolites because they're absorbed uh, much more readily. I put them on a good gut probiotic because 65 and 70% of all immune function comes from your gut. So you want to make sure you have healthy flora. That's a good one. At least, one. Uh, you know, 20 billion CFU, lacto and bifidobacillus. Uh, you have good gut diversity going on. Also to, uh, you know, foods that you can eat. Uh, you want to eat uh, colorful fruits and vegetables that are rich in antioxidants and vitamins and uh, cruciferous vegetables because they help to boost um, uh, the detox system in your liver. Cruciferous vegetables. What is that? What are you talking Cruciferous about? Cruciferous vegetables are uh, uh, broccolis and cabbages and Brussels sprouts. Those are cruciferous vegetables. Yeah, you're not going to be fun to be around a few hours after digesting all that stuff. <laughs> Dr. <You got> it. <laughs> Dr. Loretta Friedman, my guest. Hey, are you a fan of supplements? I, I got in my hand D3, uh, 5,000 units, and I take uh, 10,000 10, units, according to a dear friend of mine, a family friend who's a doctor, and, and nurses. You said, well, yeah, and, and also. Did you said vit vitamin D3, is that what you said? Yeah, D3. And also, I have, on my other hand, I have vitamin C and zinc. It says high yeah. absorption. Da, 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 da. So this one's a fizzy one, the vitamin C and zinc, and I've got the tablets for D3. You are you a fan of these supplements taken daily? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Also, uh, you know, uh, whey protein is uh, also very good because it's full of immunoglobulins that boost your immunity. So uh, I use one that has uh, uh, it's biologically active protein, so it really helps to boost your uh, white blood cells naturally. When you were saying about gut health. Man, I recall several interviews, man, about a, a year or so ago, some doctor said, and, and, and I think 
I don't want to say it was a study, but I, I do recall the news reports, and, and, and it sparked an interview on my part. Uh, and it, the, the theme was that COVID would, um, would go to the gut and use the gut as a launching pad to other parts of the body. So you need a good, you need a good gut health. And there's like these daily drinks, these yogurt-based drinks, like little small cups and things like that. Are those good, or is that just a bunch of sugar? Yeah, it's a bunch of sugar. I hate to admit it. It, it doesn't have enough, uh, you know, live culture in it to really do that much. And the high sugar count uh, sort of, you know, uh, uh, stops the live culture from the good flora from working adequately. So, yeah, you, how about, you know, you're better off just taking good probiotics. How about good yogurt, like uh, Greek yogurt, non-sugary Greek yogurt? How about that? Same thing. It, it just, you know what I mean? It, it's better because it's got a higher protein and less, uh, you know, sugars in it, but it doesn't have enough uh, lactobacillus or bifidobacillus, doesn't have enough good flora in it to make that much of a difference. All right, you so, really need to take 20 billion, uh, you know, units uh, a day. Um, what was the other thing that I used? Um, pickled cabbage, a.k.a. Um, Kimchi? Well, kimchi's one. I've never tried that one, but uh, sauerkraut. Yeah, thank you, Tim. <laughs> sauerkraut. How about that? Yes, yeah, sauerkraut and kimchi and bananas. These are all prebiotics. These are all foods that the flora feeds on to keep them healthy. So you know they don't. Act, they're not actually probiotics, but they nourish the probiotics that you have in your gut. All right. So so tell me uh, again. I just go back to what you said. Naturally, how do we put the probiotics in our belly? If it's not Greek yogurt and if it's not those little sugary drinks, what do you put in there? What do you eat? You can take capsules. You can take probiotic capsules. I okay. use uh, a very high strain uh, superflora, uh, you know, in my practice with my patients. And usually this time of year, I start putting them all, you know. The, the thing is, is that you want to help your immune system all year round, not just during cold and flu season. You want to keep your gut healthy all the time. So taking good flora, vitamin C, zinc, eating whey proteins, uh, you know, taking things like elderberry or echinacea or astragalus or medicinal mushrooms to help boost immune um, should be done all year round, not just for the couple of months that, you you know, you think you might get sick. And remember, people, eat the mushrooms. Don't, don't smoke them, please. Author of the newly released book, <laughs> Lymph, Lymph Link is the name of, of her book, Solving the Mysteries of Inflammation, Toxicity, and Breast Health Issues, Dr. Loretta Friedman. Real quick, in just one minute, Dr. Loretta, tell me about your book. What's in there? Oh, my book is all about how people can help, people can help themselves with lymphatic drainage. You know, we're a nation of breast disease, and I really want to change that conversation to breast health. Toxins get stored in women's breast tissue. This was proven in 2014 when they tested breast tissue and it tested positive for 17 different dangerous chemicals that all cause cancer and autoimmune disease. And unfortunately, we live in a very toxic world and people are getting sick and the medical community is not acknowledging the fact that toxicity is real and it's causing diseases. It's a pleasure, Dr. Friedman. We'll keep in touch. Dr. Loretta Friedman, you bet. Again, the book is Lymph Link, Solving the Mysteries of Inflammation, Toxicity, and Breast Health Issues. 
This is The Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. We're listening to enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Because of COVID, one you know, silver lining, manufacturing, supply issues, especially on the medicinal front and the medical equipment and the personal protection equipment and the chip manufacturing, that, 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 you go, it's coming back to the Western Hemisphere. Coming to the U.S. or going to Mexico. Isn't that great? In conversations with people that are watching this from economic development and at City Hall, Mission, McAllen, Harlingen, say, yeah, Mexico's getting a bunch of factories coming. They're reshoring, I think is the word, from Asia. We're getting all them. And guess what we're going to need? We're going to need, if, if it's in Mexico, we're going to need some big, fat, you know, wider, faster commercial ports of entry for all those trucks. Well, we got one coming up just in time at Ansaldúas. Down the street at Donna, they hoping and dreaming. They, they got one ready to go here pretty much like in a year and a half or two years as well. So we got Ansaldúas going full commercial. Well, in order to go full commercial, we're going to need a lot of brick and mortar, right? We're going to need like these inspection facilities and customs people and state ag people and all that stuff and x-ray machines and all that stuff. It's coming. Today, they're, they're flipping dirt. They're moving dirt. Roy Rodriguez is our city manager for McAllen, joining us on the line. Roy, I appreciate the call, brother. Thanks for checking in. So just in just a little bit, I understand uh, we're going to be moving dirt for this brick-and-mortar, $83 million-plus facility. Explain to working people what that means, setting up this thing at Ansel Lewis that will go full-tilt commercial, Lord willing, in about a year, year and a half, to host all these trucks coming from Mexico. What do you say, Roy? Yeah, so thank you, Sergio, for having me on. Uh, honestly, the word that comes to my mind is historical. Mm-hmm. This is a really uh, historical event that we're having today that we're going to turn dirt. We've already awarded the project uh, to make Anzalua's Bridge uh, full cargo port. And in simple terms, what it's going to do, it's going to double our capacity for truck traffic in Hidalgo County. And so that's that simple. There is one port of entry that allows cargo today, and that's the the bridge in FAR. And, you know, my hat's off to the city of FAR. They've done a, an Here. outstanding job yes, through sir. the years. Uh, but we need capacity. And so uh, with this cargo port, we're going to be doubling the capacity of Hidalgo County for trucks. Yeah, that's the Ansel Duas International Bridge that for some time now, Roy, uh, we've been sending commercial trucks south back to the factories, the Maquilas, for, what, like a year, year and a half? How long have we been doing the southbound empty truck uh, delivery at Ansaldúas? Actually, it's been it's been about four years. Oof, boy, time goes uh, by fast. That was a lot of work, just, yeah. to, just to be able to send southbound empties yeah. uh, back to Mexico. Um, and so we were able to do that with the cooperation of the, the country of Mexico. It was a first ever uh, interlocal agreement between a municipality in the United States 
and the federal government of Mexico. And so that was really cool for us to be able to do and accomplish. And in fact, we actually built the improvements in Mexico and got it paid back, uh, you know, um, with, with the trucks that were going southbound. So it's been a few years, but it's just not enough. Yeah. You know, we've got to have northbound and southbound with cargo, and uh, that's what we're celebrating here today. Roy Rodriguez, our city manager for McAllen, as local leaders, McAllen, Mission, Hidalgo, Edinburgh, a whole bunch of local leaders, state reps are gathering near the Anselduas Bridge. They're moving dirt on an $83 million brick-and-mortar facility that's going to help host and bring in and expect all those trucks. Uh, headed inbound. Do we need to fatten up the Anselduas Bridge? I know a, that's a long bridge to try to fatten, but do we need more lanes? And how, if so, how do we get, do that, Roy? No, you know, the bridge will not need uh, additional lanes to begin with. Uh, the bridge was actually built for, uh, for addition of cargo someday. And so what we're doing is as soon as you come over the bridge, we're going to be expanding lanes for trucks to come in and the the cargo port will have to begin with about 40 bays for uh trucks to be inspected and so that's the key get them through the bridge and then get them to the to the bays where where trucks are going to be inspected either primary or secondary inspection and uh, that's what's going to be the big difference over here on the uh, on the north side of the bridge. City Manager McAllen, Rodrigo Rodriguez, my guest. And you heard a little bit of my monologue examining you know, the negative of COVID. But the positive is that we get all this manufacturing coming in from Asia, from China, the Pacific Rim, and uh, Vietnam. A lot of these companies coming back and setting up assembly lines south of us in Mexico on the medical front and chip front, all that. That means a lot more trucks are headed this way. We're doubling capacity in 12 to 18 months with the Ansel Duas Bridge. Now, if if the dream comes true in Donna, they say they're ready to go, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to go full commercial to in Donna. That's three, and then for Brownsville has its commercial entry as well. Uh, might that be enough to maybe lure all that extra traffic this way and become the primary port of entry, the Rio Grande Valley becoming forever the primary port of entry from traffic from Mexico, at, you know, surpassing Laredo and the Bridge of the Americas and, and other ports of entry in our country. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It will definitely uh, do that. It will lure companies to pick this uh, uh, crossing versus any other. But uh, but honestly, it's not enough. I mean, you know, we support the expansion of Donna, the expansion in VAR, and and here not too you know not too far from now we'll be looking at that too i mean as you know i mean our job is to look at things 10 and 20 years down the road and we're doing that as we speak and so it's so important for us to remain focused on on our mission and our mission uh when it comes to port of entries is real simple we have to expand capacity we have to be inviting we have to create an environment for these companies to want to come and locate here because they want speed you know, yeah. uh, we've yeah. we've heard this our whole lives. Time is money, and so they have to be able to get across this border uh, quickly, northbound and southbound. And so we're going to continue to focus on that uh, and make us the 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 ports of choice uh, for Mexico and Canada. Now at so the Anselduas, yeah, at the Anselduas Bridge with this new eighty-three million dollar facility to host all these trucks and inspect and get them in here, we're going to introduce. We're going to be hosting state-of-the-art equipment for inspection, like x-ray machines and other technology, to move the traffic along real fast, right? I would imagine we're going to be in the leader in the country at one point. Yeah, actually, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to be the first port of entry that has um, 
x-ray inspection of every single truck coming through. And so it will Man. not need the uh, the manpower, a federal agent, to you know to actually uh, question the driver. Uh, it will go through that x-ray machine, every single one of them, and that will tell the agents whether that truck needs secondary inspection or not. And so we're very excited about that. We're excited that we're going to be the first to have that. And that, that trucks are going to move quickly. I mean, that's the key. Uh, the truth of the matter is that the city of McAllen is probably going to be the entity that uh, that has uh, the least amount of advantages in the future. Really, it's it's the state of Texas and the United States that's going to improve um, everything that we do. Because guess what? All of this cargo going through doesn't stay here. It's going throughout the United States and Texas. And so we're very excited to be a small part of that and to be able to, to have the wherewithal to make this happen. So we're very blessed today. Roy Rodriguez, our city manager for the city of McAllen. Yeah, this is historic. It's huge, people. It's huge. And we're so blessed. And, and think about this, amigo, because I know you as a, as a really intelligent talk radio, news radio listener, you're smarter than the average radio listening bear in South Texas, as I like to say. Just think about exponentially, like these international bridges, all those trucks coming in 12 to 18 months. And I say that because, look, I, I know it's supposed to be like in 12 or so months, but and this came up in our conversation we'll share with you, uh, with our mayor in McAllen, Javier Villalobos. Uh, it's probably going to be like 18 months. You know, typical federal delays. I mean, NASA still <laughs> suffers delays. And whatever comes up. Anyway, we get these bridges, and it's, it's Boomtown, USA. I mean, we're talking about Lord knows how many hundreds of millions, potentially cumulative, billions of dollars in square footage and the creation of warehousing, logistics, storage, cold storage, all that processing stuff. Those facilities at the Ansel Lewis Bridge, they're coming far recently or far international bridge and then the commercial bridge. They've hosted like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of commercial space for warehousing and refrigeration all that. And that's just recent. I mean, a little boomtown USA, and there are more companies coming to host all the, you know, either the veggies the or the medical stuff that needs to stay, stay cold or the auto parts, whatever's coming in. That's far. And so Lewis will need the same in the next 18 to 24 months, and that's pretty quick. That's got to happen real quick, and they're moving at light speed in the city of Mission, uh, near the Ansel Lewis Bridge. Just uh, all these warehouses and business popping up everywhere to host all the trucks. Donna, our mayor and Donna, we interviewed him like, I don't know, like three weeks ago on, on their international bridge project. Same thing. Man, you're going to see the numbers, the construction numbers, commercial construction numbers just go through the roof. And as far as investment, local banks fattening up their, uh, their wallets. They got international investment and all this construction money coming down here, all this capital, the injection of capital in South Texas, and, of course, with all the new businesses. You guys who love government, trust government, and you think government poop don't stink. You just love government. Well, guess what? Even you, again, get to fatten your wallet a little more from private industry, from capitalism, from investment. You're going to have hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of thousands of new square feet to what? Tax and steal a little bit of wealth. Yeah, property tax. Fatten up county coffers, city coffers. Here we go, people. It's a beautiful time 
to be living in the Rio Grande Valley. That's, not, that's, not, that's just on the international ports of entry, amigo. Opportunities, jobs, jobs, jobs for our huecos, investment, capital, injection into, into the community. That's why this thing at, at Ansel Lewis is such a big deal. Good to hear from Roy Rodriguez, our city manager from the city of McAllen. This is The Sergio Show. KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Retail sales activity right now, post-COVID, if I can call that, to pre-COVID, like 2019, to like most recent numbers we saw, on average, I can tell you, Texas, we're about 30 plus percent increase in sales activity compared to 2019. I know you got to factor inflation in there somewhere. Retail sales are prospects of that. Still pretty strong. Financial strategist Stephen Patterson is my guest. So when you factor in inflation, Steve, the number as far as retail activity and sales, that's still pretty strong nationwide. Why is that, Steve? We're supposed to be in a recession right now. Yeah, I think, you know, number one, that number is inflated for one of the exact reasons you just talked about, inflation. Uh, I think you can account for somewhere between 10 and 12% of that just to the rising cost of goods and services. Uh, but I also think that you're still, you know, you haven't seen the full effects yet of rising interest rates. Uh, individuals using credit cards. We know that credit card debt is reaching peak levels right now. You know, at the beginning of the year, the average credit card had about a 17.5% interest rate on it. Right now, the average credit card's closer to 23%. So I think all of that is fixing to play a real factor in the ability to satisfy that debt and to continue the spending. We're all drunk with post-COVID happiness, and we're going to celebrate by just you know, swiping that card, swiping that card for Christmas. Man, there's likely a bunch of people going to get themselves in trouble again this coming Christmas. They're going to pay a lot more in interest rates early next year, right? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that you see is, you know, typically in Q1 of a new year, you see retail sales diminish significantly. And the reason they diminish is for exactly what you just talked about. They swipe the card through Q4 preparing for the holiday season. And then in Q3, they go to satisfy the bills. Well, with interest rates going up as significantly as they are and, you know, are projected to continue to rise in November and December in those Fed meetings. Um, I think that consumers are in for a very rude awakening. I also think that you're going to see some business businesses begin to retract, uh, which could lead to some employment issues. So I would caution anyone that is financing their life right now with debt um, to be very, very aware of what the economic future is being projected at right now. Why do it seems like 
everyone, all, all the bean counters and you know the meat puppets, everybody commenting on either cable or, or write-ups and, and financial online, they're saying it's going to be a strong recession, more than likely, and it won't happen until early next year. Why? Is it because yep. everybody's holding pattern before Christmas, or what's going on? Yeah, it's usually – so raising interest rates does not have an immediate effect. It takes some time for all of that to kick in. You've got the federal funds rate. They're wanting to get to about 4.25% uh, by end of year. Um, you know, you see the 30-year mortgage right now at about 7.25%. It'll take a little time to slow those things down. It takes a little time for the credit card interest rate to rise enough that the American consumer begins to feel that and they quit using it as much. It takes a little time for businesses to be impacted by that and they either reduce hours, reduce services, or unfortunately lay people off. Uh, It takes some time. So I think, you know, the idea is it's about a six month window for those actions uh, to be felt and ripple through the economy, which is where you see Q1 of 23 into Q2 of 23 being probably not very pretty for, uh, you know, our, our country. Yeah, that's um, I'm thinking huge, super long freight train where uh, on the interest side is the engine way at the front, but then you hit the brakes and all the cars, that way, for example, starts buckling bit by bit. All the cars start that's, bumping into each other. That is, yeah. a, that is the perfect example yeah. to describe lagging indicators yeah. and, and and that's what you just did very effectively financial strategist key city capital Stephen Patterson is my guest where are you Steve are, are you in the short recession strong but short recession or longer pain a recession all the next year maybe going into 24 a little bit I I think it's longer um, you know I, I think that unfortunately there's been a desire to 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 maybe not deal with this as harshly and as effectively as we could have, you know. In the beginning of 22, you know, we were using terms like transitory inflation. You know, inflation has proven to be anything but transitory. I think we have a Fed that is trying to deal with this with interest rate monetary policy, which is the tool that they have. Unfortunately, I think we have uh, federal spending and some federal policy that works directly against that. Until those two things can align, um, I think that we have a real issue. Um, You know, the reality of it is, is that we need a federal pullback in spending. The reality of it is we need energy policy that makes sense for the average American. And the reality of it is, is that we need a supply chain that works. If we could get our elected officials as well as federal policy, monetary policy to align, then I think we can work positively for American families. But until those things are not divergent views, it's going to be a painful 23. I really believe that. No, And I follow you there because what I'm thinking, Steve, it needs to be an event. Going back to the freight train comparison, same thing when you brake, well, same thing when you rev up the engine, boom, you start pulling that wave, pulling all the cars behind it bit by bit is going to happen. But the election, I don't think the election that's coming up right now is enough of an event. It's not like this election 
will reverse course on all the monopoly money that's being printed up and promised over the next several years. Uh, yes, it'll be stagnant up in Washington. Uh, there will be a gridlock, right? No new. I'm not expecting any big trillion plus dollar legislation to pass up in D.C. I think we need more than just preventing legislation. We need to reverse course on legislation. That event's not going to happen. I'm not expecting this administration to reverse course on slowing the permits for oil. And you know, it would it'd be a miracle if Joe Biden says, "Oh, I changed my mind uh, on behalf." of hardworking Americans, release the house, like open up all the permits, uh, get, grease the skids on the permits. Let's go. Let, let's let's get our own energy. That's not going to happen. Diesel's still going to cost a lot nope. of money. So that event's not going to happen. I just don't see, I don't see it growing the way it needs. No. And I think to underline the point you're making, your, your point that you're making right now is historically sound. Um, if you look at the pain that was in existence from let's just take a a snapshot of time 1976 to 1981 you see the beginnings of stagflation and interest rates peaked at 18.1% in 1981 but it took the next 10 years to unravel that i think your point is sound you make decisions now but it would take time to implement those decisions to build that effect in the average middle class family thanks steve appreciate your time steven patterson with Key City Capital. This is The Sergio Show.